0: that purpose. God bless your sister. Job chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 and do please stay seated. Uh, I know we typically stand for the reading of the word but I want you to stay seated. The Bible says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and issued evil and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen. 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses. every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said if It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word. Have your way, God. These are your people, your sheep. I'm your vessel, O God. Use me, O Lord, for your purpose. Help me, Lord, to say every word that is intended. Help me, God, that my flesh won't get in the way. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. I want to preach on a simple subject, and that subject is secret to success. Secret to success success. I just want to take a few moments here and uh, say what the Lord has given me to say to the church and I truly believe that you'll be blessed by it and we'll let the Lord have his way how he wants to have it. The secret to success. You know I have come to find and come to really understand uh, that your surroundings, the people who you surround yourself with, uh, they gradually have an effect on you. Uh, Whether you realize it or not, the people who you surround yourself with, they gradually have an effect on you. Uh, And typically we don't realize that gradual effect until uh, it is too late, whether that be positively or negatively. Uh, But the people who you encompass yourself with, they will have an effect on you. Uh, So I'm always telling people it is important to watch who you surround yourself with. Now, surrounding yourself with does not only mean... Physical. So you don't necessarily have to be around them in the physical, but it could be people who you surround yourself with or connect yourself with through the internet or social media, or who you connect yourself with even if it's a simple phone call. Uh, So people who you are connecting yourself with or surrounding yourself with will have effect on you. The Bible actually speaks of this dealing with King a king by the name of Ahab. If we just go to 1 Kings chapter number 16, starting at verse number 30, the scripture says, and Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, that he took To wife, somebody say Jezebel. So as it had been a light thing for him to follow after the sins of one king by the name of Jeroboam, he also took to wife a woman by the name of Jezebel. Why was this important? Because Jezebel was a false prophet. She was one that worshiped Baal or prophetess, I should say. Uh, The Bible says, and went and served Baal and worshiped him served a false god and Ahab made a grove and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So when Jezebel, speaking of Jezebel, this woman who he has now connected himself with, ah, because it is important, as I said, who you connect yourself with. Now he has connected himself with this woman by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel, if you do a little bit of studying or her, I on her, I wish I had the time to really dive into it. But she was something that, uh, or someone that, when she seen something she wanted, she went after it. And no one was going to stop her from getting what she wanted. Matter of fact, there was a man by the name of Naboth. Uh, 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 let's go to First Kings, chapter number twenty-one, just for a moment here. There was a king by the name of Naboth. Uh, excuse me, a man by the name of Naboth who had a vineyard and. Jezebel had this man killed over his vineyard because Ahab went to him asking for a vineyard and Naboth refused to give up his vineyard and so Jezebel uh, in all of her might and what she wanted she sent people to have Naboth killed so that she and The king could have the vineyard that Ahab wanted. So if you told Jezebel no, she would find a way to turn it into a yes. But see, that's important to understand because now Ahab has connected himself with someone with this type of spirit. She was the one that would take matters into her own hands. But we will find in 1 Kings chapter number 21 that God held Ahab accountable for the vineyard. Even though Jezebel was the one that had the messenger sent to Naboth to have him killed because he said, no, I'm not selling my vineyard. But Jezebel sent people to have him killed so that they could take the vineyard. But yet the Bible says in 1 Kings 21, starting at verse number 17, it says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth. Whether he has gone down to possess it, and thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, listen, hast thou killed and also taken possession? Now notice, Ahab did not send the messengers to go kill Naboth. But the one he was connected to sent the messengers to go kill Naboth. But God held who accountable? He held Ahab accountable. Why? Because he expects more out of you and I than people that have no idea who he is. The scripture says in verse number 19, And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? Hast thou? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, Shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. And we read here in verse number 20, this is very interesting. Now that Elijah has come to meet King Ahab, King Ahab has gotten himself in a position, in a place, to where now even when the man of God comes to meet him, the scripture says, and Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, on my enemy? Ahab has become so cold-hearted and stiff-necked to now when the man of God comes to meet him, he considers him an enemy. Why is this important? Because Ahab not only sinned, but now he is connecting himself with other people that sin. And when you get connected with people or surround yourself with people that are going down the wrong path, even if you try to connect with them for the right purpose, because there are many people that say, well, I'm trying to win them to the Lord. Well, how far are you willing to go to try to win somebody to the Lord? How far are you willing to go? What are you willing to do to win them to the Lord? Because the Bible says that Jesus sat with sinners. He did not conduct himself as a sinner. There is a distinct difference. That's why the Bible lets us know that we should put a separation between holy and unholy we should put a separation between clean and unclean but ahab did not put a separation no he joined himself with someone that was unholy so now he has got to the place in his mind to where even when the man of god comes to meet him and greet him he calls him an enemy so the bible says in first kings 21 verse number 25 but there was none like unto ahab which did sell himself to work wickedness. Do you see that? I'm going to say that again. He sold himself. He sold himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, somebody say Jezebel, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. His wife was able to stir up. The very works of wickedness. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not here preaching against women. I'm here saying against the spirit of Jezebel. uh, Because some of us are connecting ourselves with the wrong people. And if you will allow a spirit of Jezebel to connect with you, you will become stirred up. But it will be the wrong type of stir up. It won't be the stirring of the Holy Ghost. It will be the stirring of wickedness. So we must watch our surroundings. Some of us need to go back to the drawing board, if you will, and say, who am I connecting myself with? Maybe I need to separate myself from people that are stirring up wickedness and connect myself with someone that's stirred up in the Holy Ghost. The spirit of Jezebel is mentioned in the book of Revelations. Revelations 2, verse number 20, it says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. I've got a few problems here, the Lord is saying. Because thou sufferest thou woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication. This fornication was to cause people to serve other gods, to cause people to put other things before the Lord Jesus Christ. And to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent. I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. So the Bible says, behold, I will cast her into a bed and then that commit and then them, excuse me, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. So the Bible is letting us know here that the Lord gave Jezebel an opportunity to repent, but she decided to continue to do what she wanted to do. And so the scripture says, she says, okay. Well, I'm going to lay you and put you to the side or the scripture says in the bed and anyone that lays with this type of spirit, you will be caught up in the same type of tribulation. So the tribulation that the Lord would bring upon Jezebel is the same tribulation that he would bring upon you and I. Somebody say disconnect. That's why it's important to disconnect yourself from people because you don't want to suffer the same tribulation that they're going down. Yes, we love people. Yes, we love people. Yes, we tell them about Jesus Christ. But I'm not willing to go to the extent of suffering in their tribulation. So the Bible says in Job verse number 1, let's read verse number 6. The scripture says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them now when it speaks of the sons of God is speaking of men of God is speaking of mankind this is not speaking of angels some people say that when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came with them they are speaking of angels 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 that came in heavenly places to meet the Lord and the devil came also. No, this is not speaking of angels. It's speaking of mankind presenting themselves before God because Satan was kicked out of heaven and he cannot return to heaven. Neither will he return to heaven. Many people use Genesis chapter number one, uh, excuse me, chapter number six, verses one and two where it talks about, and it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, here you see it again, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. This is where many people that Go all off and get way out there. They begin to talk about Greek mythology because they say these sons of gods are angels that came down, the angels that were cast down, that they took on the form of man, and then they slept with the women that were there here on earth, as the scripture says. And then they get all off into Greek mythology. That is not true. Don't go down that road. Don't buy into that lie. Sons of gods are not angels when the bible speaks of sons of god he's speaking of mankind for the bible says in first john chapter number three verse number one the scripture says behold what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we somebody say we that we should be called the sons of god so the scripture says that we are the sons of Of God, And God has never called an angel a son of God. For the scripture says in Hebrews chapter number one, verse number five, it says, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, somebody say any time. That means it's never happened. Unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Never has it happened. God has never called an angel son. He only calls you and I sons and daughters of God. And verse number seven says, and the angel and of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits. And his ministers a flame of fire. So it is impossible because angels are spirits. So it is impossible for an angel to be able to reproduce. Yes, angels can take on different forms. Can they take on the form of man? Yes, they can. Because we can entertain angels unaware. That's what the scripture says. But they cannot take on all the characteristics of man, meaning somebody say blood. Angels do not have blood and reproductive organs. If I can just teach a little science right now, but your reproductive organs, man, have blood in it. So therefore, if blood is in the reproductive organ, an angel cannot reproduce because it does not have blood. So therefore, when it talks about the sons of God, it cannot be angels. It only is speaking of men and women. The Bible says in first Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 50, it says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and what blood. flesh and blood, it cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Blood is not in heaven and angels are spirits that came from heaven. It says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit corruption, so the sons of God were men of God coming to worship the Lord and the Bible says and Satan came with them so that's what we read in Job chapter 1 verse number 6 that the sons of God the men came to worship the Lord and Satan came with them oh yes he does Uh huh. you don't think the enemy tries to cause disruption in his house when we come to his house to worship Oh, yes, he does. Satan doesn't stay out of church. He doesn't hit the doors and say, oh, this building might fall on me. You know how some folks say that? This building might fall on me if I walk in here. Lightning might strike a couple times if I walk in here. No, if Satan can walk in here, you can walk in here. That's a pretty good point, isn't it? Come on in here and let God change your life. Often and rightfully so, we talk about the life of Job during the storm that came through and wrecked his life and how he decided to remain faithful to the Lord. Despite his friends challenging his integrity. Matter of fact, his own wife in Job chapter two, verse number nine, it says, then said his wife unto him, dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. But what I want to focus on here today for just the next few moments It's not Job's life during the storm, not Job's life after the storm. I want to talk about Job's life before the storm. I want to talk about chapter number one. Because if you read chapter number one, it will give you better understanding of the next 41 chapters. Because the Bible says in Job 1 verse number 5, It says, and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. Thus Job did. Thus did Job. Somebody say continually. He did it. Continually. Job had a walk with God's soul. Job had a relationship with God's So, not just every once in a while, but continually. He always was before the Lord. And so this helps me to understand now that as the things begin to take place, and as one person would come and say, your children are dead. One person would come and say, all oh, the cattle's gone. Another person would come and say, this is gone. All these things begin to take place. And we get to Job chapter 1, verse number 20. The Bible says, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. And what did he do? He worshiped. And the Bible says in verse number 21, it says, and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And the scripture says, in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Why? Because Job had a lifestyle of preparation before the storm. Too many of us are in a storm right now, but we haven't prepared ourselves before the storm. And too many of us wait until the storm comes and then you want to respond based on the winds of the storm. While I've come to wake somebody up here this morning, you need to take note from the first chapter of Job instead of worrying about chapters 3, 4, and 5. The reason why Job was to make it throughout the storm was because of his life preparation before the storm. What I want to help somebody here understand is that there is a secret to the success of Job's life. You want to know why he was able to get double for his trouble was because he was willing to put in the time before the trouble came. But too many of us don't want to pray. We don't want to fast. We don't want to come to church. I'm not talking to nobody in here. We don't want to do the things that we sacrifice before the storm comes. Because if you put in the time before the storm comes, you can say, blessed be the name of the Lord and you will not curse God. can have a mindset like job where he fell down on his face and he did what he always used to do which is worship see i have found when you can worship god before the storm it's easier to worship god during the storm i'm here to tell you if you don't have a lifestyle of worship before the storm don't expect yourself to worship during the storm see that's when people come into the church with their head hung down low they don't really know what to do they don't know which way to turn but if you have worship before the storm even when the storm is going on you will still have a mindset to worship the Lord why? because I've got an understanding it is through the storm that the Lord is able to keep me That is the secret to Job's success. You want to know why he got double? If you need double for your trouble, I challenge you to worship him right now. Don't wait until that battle is over. You begin to praise him before the battle is already done. If I can learn how to pray, if I can learn how to worship, if I can learn how to sacrifice, when the storm comes, I won't lose my worship. We look at Job's life and say, man, how did he do that? How did he live through that? How did he endure that? Even his friends talked about him. How did he endure that time? It was because of his life before the storm. Uh-huh. I'm trying to help somebody here today because that is the secret to your success naturally and spiritually. I can talk about this naturally, too. Mm -hmm. It's your preparation before you get to work. It's your preparations in the morning. Can I talk to y'all real quick? I remember my wife and I, we were having kids. Notice I say we were having past tense kids Uh when we were having children. I remember when my wife used to pack the bags before we went to the hospital. She didn't wait till that water broke and then start packing the bags. It's too late then. Because you might as well forget about it. I'm checked out. That was real life right there too. Uh, That that, uh, that was real. If you would have had a camera in my house and that's how you would have thought we never had kids. We'd be be on baby number three. Where's the car? Oh, it's in the garage. That's right. I'm still thrown off but it was the preparation she was preparing the bags before the baby came because she knew I'd be a hot mess we just thank the Lord we got to the hospital safely praise God and the cop better not try to stop me I'm going to say come on brother you might as well keep following me you can lead the way if you want but I'm going 90 we ain't having this baby in this car that ain't happening Uh Uh-huh. not happening It was the preparations before. Bags will be packed. Everything's at the door. Everything's ready. She made it so simple for me to where all I had to do was grab keys, bag, go. That's it. But she knows her husband. And I want to tell somebody God knows you. Yes, he does. He knows exactly what to do, how to do it, when to do it. But What I love about God is, is that he makes our preparations easy. Because he only requires one thing, worship. (laughs) The Bible says, thus did Job continually. He was always worshiping. He was always sacrificing. He was always going before the Lord. So when the storm came, the first thing you read was he shaved his head and worshiped. He worshiped. He didn't curse God. He didn't say why this is happening. Lord, I don't understand. Why is this storm happening to me? What he did was he fell on his face and he worshiped. He went back to his roots. He went back to the thing that he's always done. So church, you've got to learn how to worship. Don't wait till the storm comes to worship. You worship him before the storm because the storm will come. it will come some of you are in the storm right now some of you are in turmoil right now. You don't know what to do. You don't know which direction to go. There's so much wind and chaos. You think you're in a category 5 hurricane. You don't know where to run. There's nowhere to you to run for you to run. But I've come to help somebody understand if you didn't have a lifestyle of worship before the storm you can still worship him in the storm. Even in the middle of your storm you can throw up your hands and say Lord I'm here. Lord I need you. God I need direction. Lord I need your help and God is able to meet you in the middle of the storm. oh yes he will because he's done that for me I know I didn't deserve to get pulled out I know I wasn't doing things right oh am I preaching to the right church I know I wasn't praying like I should I wasn't worshiping like I should I wasn't doing things exactly right but when I found myself in the middle of the storm I was still able to say Lord forgive me I haven't done the things appropriate but Lord now that I'm here I need your help I need your guidance I need your instruction lead me Lord And I'll follow. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Because that is the secret to the success. You can look at your job on the natural. Some of the best workers, some of the best leaders are those that prepare before the task. It is the preparations they make before they start the job. The worst thing is to try to have me put together something. I'm gonna say that out loud now. So don't be calling pastors saying, "Hey, can you help me put together my kid's bike?" Oh no, look at my kid's bikes. We still get nervous every time they get on like, I hope that wheel stay on. Uh, it's getting a little wobbly. No, 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 no. We 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 like to purchase things already assembled. <laughs> Y'all laughing at me. I'm telling the truth. Amen. Man that thing be assembled. So, so, I'm already thinking about Christmas. I'm already getting bothered Amen. putting together all them doll houses. Well, help me, Lord. It's the it's the preparation. See, see, if you don't put in the proper time to make sure you got all the tools, you got all the parts. You know exactly where everything's going. It's the preparation before you just start putting things together. Because once you, I, I get into it, and I realize, uh-oh, I'm missing a couple pieces. It's the preparation before you start. Some of, the, some of the most diligent and effective workers are those that prepare before they even start the job. They're already preparing their mind. They're already preparing their, for their day. They're already preparing for it. hmm Yeah, I I, I would have people come up to me and say, you know, uh, uh, Eddie, uh, this was uh, when I was working in the corporate world. I I don't have time to read. I want to enhance myself. I want to better myself, but I don't have time to read. I say, really? Well, how long is your your drive into work? Oh, it's about 20, 25-minute drive if I get there without any traffic. I say, that sounds like an excellent time to read. I can't read while I'm driving. No, but there's podcasts. There's books. There's audio. You can listen to them. You can play it right through your car. And you can listen to what you want to educate yourself with. See, there's too much technology out there for us to have excuses. We just have to discipline ourselves to put in the time if we want to be successful. Because people that want to be successful, you either talk about it or you do it. There's only two types of people. You either talk about it or you actually do it. See, there's too many people in the church and in the world and society that's just talking about change, talking about success, but they're not willing to put in the time to make change and to have success. Mm -hmm. Two different types. That's it. It's the same way with the Lord. Don't just talk about what you can't do. Make time to do the things that you should be doing. We cannot tell God I don't have time to worship. You must be kidding me. I don't have time to pray. You must be kidding me. What do you mean you don't have time to pray? I don't have time to get on my knees and pray. Who told you you how to get on your knees and pray? Who, who, Who told you that one? Who told you you had to be in a certain area, a certain position, certain? Who told you that? No. You can walk and pray. You can be in your job praying. You can walk and worship. You can be in your job worshiping. You can always make time for the Lord. You can always. And I'm telling you, that's a secret to your success. If you want to be successful in this thing, make time. And make sure that you put in the right time because that's why Job was successful. That's why Job was able to last not only through the storm, but he got double for the trouble that he went through. Not because he was not only able to sustain, but it was because of the preparation he put in before the storm came. Why do you think the Lord said, have you tried my servant Job who's perfect and upright? That's what the scripture says. He's perfect and upright. You don't become perfect or mature in the Lord and upright without worship, without prayer, without sacrifice. These were things that he was doing before the storm even came. So because the Lord knew his character, because the Lord knew what type of individual he was. Yeah, you can try it all day. But the same Job that I see today is the same Job we're going to see next week. And Job remained the same in his worship. He continued to hold on to his integrity. I'm here to tell you one of my, one of my favorite quotes, and I hope I'm quoting this right. You don't change anything about yourself until you change something in your daily routine. Your daily routine must change in order to change something about yourself. If you want to make a change in you, you must change something in your daily routine. We need to have a mindset today to change something in our daily routine. We need to start incorporating Jesus in our daily routine. The Bible says, Thus did Job, somebody say, continually. Let's lift our hands unto the Lord right now. Come on, let's lift our hands unto the Lord. Let's lift our hands unto the Lord.